Well, let's pray, and then we will talk about prayer. Father, thank you for uh, this time. Thank you. Uh, I believe that it's our last class of the semester. Thank you for bringing us through the curriculum again. And I pray that it would have been a profitable semester, challenging us to live in a way that's pleasing to you in the context of the local church. So help us tonight as we consider the topic of prayer and uh, how we can pray for one another, that it would be beneficial to all of us. In your name we pray. Amen. So our goal tonight is to discover how we can pray for each other. And um, so I'm not going to share anything um, terribly insightful or new, but I would like to try to focus your attention as well as my own on a, bibli- a better way to pray. Um, because if you are like me, um, or I guess I could, here, here's, I mean, I love listening to my kids pray. But here's here's Caden's prayer, and I mean it is for a little kid. I mean it's pretty amazing. But at dinner, it's it, he's already getting it. I mean he's six years old, and he's already getting the rote prayer of Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, thank you for this food, right? And then like, but Caden is thoughtful enough where he goes on and thanks God for like fifteen things about thank you that I got to go to school and I got to work on reading and you know. Blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, okay, well, you know, he's getting it. But but he's already been indoctrinated with just like, thank you for this day, thank you for this food, Jesus' name, amen. You know, like we just pray these rote prayers and we pray for all fleshly stuff, right? And then there's Hadley who, um, how does she go? Thank you for this food, Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it that isn't that zippity quick, Daddy? <laughs> like, it's not about being zippity quick, Hadley. <laughs> but but she is all about being zippity quick. But so I want to start by asking you some questions, not to try to make you feel bad, but to get you to seriously think about how you pray. So number one, who do you pray for more, yourself or others? And we're not turning these questions, these answers in. And you're not going to have to answer any of these out loud. Who do you pray for more, yourself or others? Number two, list the top three people that you pray for on a consistent basis, not including yourself. So the top three people that you you pray for that it are not you. Number three, list the top three things that you pray on behalf of those people. So you don't have to put nine things, right? You don't have to go through every one of them, but... Examples, whatever. Number four... 
Then the last question is, list the top three things that you pray on behalf of yourself. just going to run down those questions again. Who do you pray for more, yourself or others? Number two, list the top three people that you pray for on a consistent basis, not including yourself. Number three, list the top three things that you pray on behalf of these other people. And then number four, list the top three things that you pray on behalf of yourself. Now, if I could ask, uh, um, Sally, could you look up Ephesians 1? And you're going to read verses 15 through 23. Uh, Anyone willing to read Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21? Betty? And then uh, I need some, a volunteer for Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Pete? Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And then, Edwina, do you have a Bible? Yeah. All right. Would you read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12? 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12. So. As these texts are read, I'd like you to consider and kind of compare taking an inventory of how do these prayers sound in comparison to your prayers on behalf of yourself and other people. So, Sally, go for it with Ephesians 1, 15-23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Eddie, I think you have uh, Ephesians 3, right? 14 through 21. For this reason, reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, 
to grasp how wide and long and how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to immeasurably to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Pete, you have uh, Philippians 1, right? And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Duina? Second Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and in and you and him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, and I'm going to read, and this is going to be the text that we consider tonight, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So how would you describe the typical average prayer of, let's say, people in this room compared to the emphasis Paul has in his prayer? Okay, less detailed, shallow. What would what would uh, let's say the majority of your prayer for yourself or for other people be about? Like health issues, stuff they got going on in their lives. Right. Please help me to remember all the answers for this test. <laughs> Even though I didn't study. <laughs> right? Or, no, there's not a test. There's not a final in this class. Uh, yeah, health issues, financial issues, political issues, physical, if we put it in that. But what what is Paul's main, in these prayers, what is the main emphasis or... Uh, Concern that he seems to have in these prayers for these churches. Yeah, they're all spiritual, right? That's not to say, don't get me wrong, that praying for physical things, financial things, are inappropriate. But I wonder if it reveals to us um, the materialism of our own heart 
as we were talking a little bit about, I think it was last week, um, the materialism that, that just invades us when we just look at our prayer and take an inventory of how we pray. So how can we pray for one another? Well, obviously we think, well, to pray effectively for someone else, we need to know them, right? So there, it would be ideal if there's a relationship. Well, you know what? What if you don't know me? Or what if I don't know you, but you're in my church family? I don't know you very well. So does that automatically mean that because, you know, Sally and I haven't gone to lunch, and I don't know her life story, and she doesn't know mine, therefore I can't pray for her? Well, that's silly business. Because right here, I have a pattern that I could follow, right? Without having to know any details for Sally's life. But I think sometimes we use that whole relationship thing as an excuse. Now, don't get me wrong. That would be ideal, right? That we could have relationships with everyone. But what if you stopped and you prayed this kind of prayer for me? Or Carrie? Or for a little kid in our youth group? who you don't even know by name, and you just whipped out that directory from our church, that pictorial directory, and you just started praying, hey, you know what, God, I don't know the details of their life, but I don't need to because I know what's supremely valuable and important to you beyond the physical needs that they have because these things that we're going to look at in more detail transcend in importance all the physical stuff of our lives. I mean, the status of... You know, your relationships, the status of your bank accounts, uh, the status of the craziness of our government. None of that is, is of higher priority than the stuff that Paul prays about here. So let's just talk about this prayer for a couple minutes. So Colossians 1, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, Paul says, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God. Wow. I mean, so this dude is committed. <laughs> and he's committed to his brothers and sisters in Christ and, and all these churches, we could say. But here in this text, to the church of Colossae. And then let me give you a little bit of a framework for this text so that as we tick through the list... Um, you can kind of understand the grid. So Paul is saying, so we continually ask God, so here's the main request, to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Now we'll talk about what that means in a second, but that's the main request. And then in verse 10 he starts, so that. So he's praying this, that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that, for this purpose, so that you would live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in every way. Well, what does that life lived worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in every way look like? Colon. One, bearing fruit in every good work. Two, growing in the knowledge of God. Three, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. Dot, dot, dot. Verse 12 giving joyful thanks to the Father. That's what a life worthy of the Lord looks like. So let's kind of walk through these things, How thinking, how can we pray for other people? Well, here's, 
here's some ways we can pray. Number one, we can pray that you and I and others practice God's Word. Paul writes, Fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom, understanding that the Spirit gives. That you're filled up with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So he uses the word knowledge, understanding, wisdom. That you know God's Word, that you get God's Word so you understand it. Then you live it. So you know how to apply it. That's wisdom. So that you know it, you get it, and you live it. Uh, one, I believe it was the uh, new version of the NIV Study Bible, had a comment in its notes describing this as maturing wisdom. So it's growing wisdom. It's it's uh, tra- it's it's wisdom. It's knowledge that transforms the way we live. So we can pray for ourselves and for other people that we practice God's word, that we put into action God's word. Number two, we can pray for others, for ourselves and for others that we would be pleasing to God, that we would please God, that we would, as Paul writes, live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. <clears throat> so one, practice God's Word. Two, please God. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. If I could, um, I'm going to steal our former assistant pastor's uh, description. He probably wouldn't even remember this, but back when he used to go to Inner City, and I was working in junior high youth group, we had this combined youth gathering of senior high and junior high, and he was working in the senior high. And he preached a message on a text, um, I believe, out of Ephesians that uses the same idea. I think it was Ephesians 4, where it talked about living a life worthy of the Lord. And and I, it, it, for some reason, it always stuck with me. Because you you all know Matt probably well enough to know that he's kind of a crazy lunatic sort of fan, right? I mean, like he is all in. When he plays sports, he's all in. There's no half-hearted Matt Owen. Well, he described living a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way as representing God well. What does it mean to live a life worthy of the Lord? It means to represent him well. And he alluded to the idea of being a fan of a team. So get the idea of going to a Red Wings game or a Lions game, like the Lions game on New on New Year's Day. They're going to be playing the Packers, most likely for uh, either clinching a playoff berth or like winning the division. And imagine if you are... A card-carrying Lions fan, you walk into that arena with an Aaron Rodgers jersey on and a big block of cheese on your head. Hmm. You would not be representing your team well, would you? People would call into question your, your fandom of the Lions if you're wearing a block of cheese on your head. I think you get the picture. Is your life representing God well? Is my life representing God well? 
are we praying for each other that we represent God's well, God well, that we like emulate Him, that the, the character qualities that He describes in His Word are becoming of a believer are actually true of us. So, one, we can pray that we practice God's Word. Two, that we please God in our lives. Then, so what does pleasing God look like? Now we kind of go to another number one, like a sub-point. Produce spiritual fruit. We can pray that our lives produce spiritual fruit and that other the other believers produce spiritual fruit. Notice we have yet to pray for a physical need. Not that that's wrong. Notice that none of these things, you have to know the details of a person's life. But so far, all of these things would be supremely helpful no matter what circumstance that person is facing. That we produce spiritual fruit. Paul says, bearing fruit in every good work is what a life pleasing to God looks like. It's evidence of growth. It's in keeping with the Spirit. It's keeping in step with the Spirit as Galatians 5 and 6 talk about. It's another characteristic characteristic of a life that pleases God. We can pray that there's progress in your relationship with God. There's progress, that there's growth. Growth, and I say in your relationship, because here growing in or by means in the knowledge of God, the idea of is of relationship, I believe. Some people suggest that it's growing by means of the word. That could be as well. Flip a coin. Either one is good. Uh, <laughs> when I studied it, it seemed to be knowledge with respect to relationship, like the term foreknowledge often uh, carries the idea of there's knowledge of a relationship. So, like knowing a wife. So there's growth in the knowledge and the relationship with God. Is there progress there? And who doesn't need progress in our relationship with God? A, a deeper love for Him that that is demonstrated by a, a love and trust in His Word and and in time spent talking to Him and just depending on Him in prayer. A time fellowshipping with His people. We need, I need the production of spiritual fruit. I need progress in my relationship with God. We can also pray, and um, I think we all could raise our hands to testify that people need to pray for us so that we can, thirdly, patiently endure trials through God's power. That we can patiently endure trials through God's power. Paul writes, being, sure, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. I can't remember where it is. Maybe it's in Ephesians. Maybe it's in this book, and I can't remember it off. But it's somewhere he talks about that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, we have access to. That is ours. Who of us has not gone through life and just being utterly crippled and paralyzed by fear in the midst of a trial. 
And we need strength, right? We need strength that only the Holy Spirit can provide by His glorious might, which we know is omnipotent, right? There is no limitation to His power. I mean, He spoke and all things came to be. And it was very good. It was perfect. And so Paul says that we can pray and Paul prayed for the Colossians that they would be able to patiently endure trials through God's power so that we can have great endurance so we can make it to the other side whatever that other side might be. And who doesn't need this? You don't need to know what Edwina's going through or what I'm going through or what Pete's going through. But we can pray for one another that God would help us, help them to patiently endure. Then lastly, what does a life that is pleasing to God look like? So there's the production of spiritual fruit, there's progress in our relationship with God, patience in enduring trials through God's power, and then praise God. There's praise for God for what He has accomplished through Christ. Verse 12, Paul says, and, so this is the last, this is a conjunction giving the last of of what a pleasing life looks like. And certainly this is not an exhaustive list. But he says, giving joyful thanks to the Father. And then he goes on to describe what the Father has done through Christ, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Say what? Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So he has an inheritance for you. He has an inheritance for me, and I am part of his holy people. I am God's family. And then look at what he says. He's, Paul says, God has done through Christ. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. So we were enslaved to sin. And he brought us into the kingdom of Christ, whom he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he has redeemed us. He has bought us out of the slavery to Satan and sin. And he has placed us into the kingdom of Christ. Where we have an inheritance. And life and meaning and purpose and joy now. So the person who praises God, or is pleasing to God, praises God for all this amazing stuff. So Paul, to summarize the whole thing, prayed that the Colossian believers would practice the word, that they would be filled with the knowledge, all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And that practicing of the word results in or produces what? A life that is worthy of God, that pleases Him that represents Him well, and a life that represents God well, that pleases Him in every respect, produces fruit. It has progress in our relationship with God. It is marked by patient endurance through trial, trusting in the power, the omnipotent power of God that is at our disposal, and a life that is lived worthy of God, praises God for the work of Christ. So how do your your prayers 
for your spouses, for your potential spouses, for your daughters and your sons and your friends and your pastor. How, how, do you, how do your prayers compare to this kind of prayer? I mean, this is like super loaded with spiritual concern. And our prayers, I, I'm, I suspect, are, God, please get me out of this situation. <laughs> God, please give me enough money to do this. God, please help this person who has cancer. God, please keep my kids safe on their way to school. God, please help me to not get yelled at by my boss today. God, whatever. Please keep us healthy. God, please heal Papa's ankle. That's that's my kid's prayer every, every, every day. And that's awesome because they have childlike faith expecting that God's going to heal Papa's ankle. And that's awesome. But do we have that same faith to pray these things and then watch God do it? Because this is, God guarantees that he will do these things in his children. So we can go to him with confidence that this is his will. So how do we how do we match up? How can we pray better for ourselves and for each other? Here's how. Here's I, I tried to give you a list. We read through it. Let me give it to you again, just so if you want further meditation, let me give you the list of texts we read at the beginning. And then I want to also recommend a book um, that walks through all of Paul's prayers. Um, that would be great if you picked up on iBooks or or uh, um, Kindle or something like that. It would help you. It's it, it might be a little heady at times, but I think it would be a beneficial resource. So here are the texts, uh, just a list of some of Paul's prayers in his epistles. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. And Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. So chapter 1, 15 through 23. And chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. And these are just some. They're not, this is not exhaustive. And then the text that we spent our time looking at was Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. What was the one from 2 Thessalonians? Chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. The book I recommend is called A Call to Spiritual Reformation. A Call to spiritual reformation. And I believe the second article was was uh, uh, pulled out of that in your in your workbook. Um, Who wrote it? Uh, by D. A. Carson. Um, I don't see it over there, but it could just be tucked. I don't know if it's tucked somewhere over there behind from my angle, but um, I would highly recommend that you get that book. It is uh, one of the best books I've ever read on prayer. I've probably read it five times. Um, And 
he just he just simply just exposes the meaning of the text of just about all of Paul's prayers, and they're really really good. And if you want to improve the quality of your prayer, that would be a great book to get to help you in that. Harness my inner pastor Dorn in that regard. That's his favorite phrase. Um, any questions? I'm done. Any questions, comments, helpful thoughts? Any lingering questions from other lessons that we talked about that I confused you on? No peanut butter balls? Uh, you don't have to. We just had our work Christmas party and I ate a little too much yesterday. So. They're not good for me, but they are good for me. All right, let's pray. And then we can sit here and talk or we can go home. Uh, Father, we thank you that you have saved us, that you have made us part of your people, that you have sacrificed your son to redeem us from our slavery to sin, and that you have placed us into your kingdom, a kingdom that is not of this world, a kingdom that has uh, eternity um, in in view, and a kingdom that lives for your Son, uh, with him as our king. I thank you that you have given us Paul. Um, the doctrine and theology that he's written is just awesome and amazing Um, but then you also just give us such practical um, examples through him as well like the text that we looked at tonight i pray that it would help shape the way we pray that it would improve the quality of our prayers that that this lesson would help remind me and remind all of us that um, we um, do live for another time and another place and that Um, We ought not to be materialistic, that our hearts not ought to be tied to our health and our wealth and all the things that are here and now, but that you would help us to have a spiritual mindset, a heavenly mindset, an eternal mindset, that our hope and eyes would be fixed on you so that we can pray for ourselves and for others that we would... um, practice your word, that we would please you, that we would be patient as we endure just crappy times of life, that we would praise you even in the midst of those painful times because because of what you have done, that we can say and declare as, as Paul wrote in Romans, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we can glory in that you are, as the beginning of Philippians says, that you are at work, that you have begun a good work and that you promise to complete it. God, help us to praise you for these things, to be encouraged by these things, and to have our minds fixed on you. In your name we pray. Amen.